0: Greetings church family, it's nice to be with you today and um, may we praise the Lord for all his blessings. We need to get really good at praising the Lord because the days are going to come when we won't feel like it, do you realize that? So we need to get really good at it now. If, if you, what I shouldn't don't take what I just said wrongly. I'm just saying that there's going to be times when we will feel under a lot of pressure, and we'll maybe be tempted to wonder where the Lord is. You know, um, maybe those of you, uh, like in my part of the state, have experienced a lot of dryness. Of course, that is um, of real interest for me because I grow a garden, and it's over 100 feet long and 50 feet wide, and. So I would rake up rows of dirt on either side of the rows of potatoes and corn, and then I had a trench right down through the row, and I would take five-gallon buckets of water and pour them down through there to keep my plants going during that dry time. And then in about the last week, the Lord gave me three about 3.4 inches of rain, and I figured it out as about 350,000 gallons of water on my property. So if I paid a penny per gallon, it would cost me 3500 bucks. And Lord gave it all to me for free. Isn't that nice? Uh, so we thank our Father in Heaven for all the blessings that he bestows upon us. And certainly if there ever was a time when we need to pray for the latter rain, the rain it's now, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I want to pause and have a prayer and then um, I apologize for that I want to pause and have a prayer and then I want to share a few um, uh, things with you that are on my mind and heart today Um, let's bow our heads Father in heaven we want to thank you for this Sabbath day we want to thank you for these moments that we have here together to worship our king and our Savior who died for us. I pray today that if there is anything between our hearts and his, that thou will accept our confession and our repentance. We pray for the presence of your Holy Spirit. We pray that by the light of your word that thou will guide and lead and direct us as to what we should say and speak and do, and that thou will keep us faithful to the end. And we ask these things in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen um you know in in the as I'm thinking about what's going on in our world and of course Vera was just sharing with us now during sharing time some of the rumblings of where we're headed very rapidly um, if the devil's ever had a time to play God it's now through technology and control and his government operates on coercion so he will, f- If possible, he will try and force following and worship. And but God will have a people on earth who will triumph over that and they will conquer the mark of the beast and they will conquer self and they will be ready for Jesus coming. Um, We live in some amazing circumstances. And I think one thing that we need to ponder, you know, Jesus said, uh, I want to read a quote here on my phone, I'm sorry, and then I'm going to shut it off. But Jesus said, watch and pray. Obviously, both of those are very necessary to our survival in these last days. Watch. We need to watch what we think we need to watch what we say, we need to watch what we do, we need to watch the feelings that we cherish, we need to watch Christ and not be distracted by the world. Watch, watch. Um, I, you know, all, I'm sh- all of you I'm sure have experienced the loss of loved ones um, by death some way or some friend I would assume. But when it happens, um, it really comes home to you how short life is. Yeah. Uh, on June 4th this month, my sister called me up about midnight. She said, I found my husband dead. It was very unexpected. And um, it's been quite a time, you know, for the family to lose him. Um, but, you know, I'm thinking of the... Statement in James. He says, what is your life? It is a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Yeah. There's a statement in the sixth volume of the Testimonies, page 14. It says, it says this. It says, as it were, as it were, only a moment of time remains. Okay. Now, how many months we have left in this world, we don't know. But I was quite well and alive 23 years ago when the year 2000 hit and um that's 23 years has gone rapidly i remember about 17 years ago sitting in the living room of my sister's home with her husband who just passed and my father was there uh, also alive at that time and my father was sitting in the easy chair and he was sleeping and bothering my mother because he was snoring and my uh Sister's Husband said to my mother. she Because my mother was trying to wake him up. She said. Byron don't you be snoring like that. And my uh, brother-in-law Alan. Who just passed away a few weeks ago. He said mom. He said don't bother him. She, he said soon he won't even be here for you to talk to. Um, he was a realist about death. But we don't know when we will leave this world. But brothers and sisters. We got to make the very best of our time. I've been thinking recently of the text that Paul Wrote to Timothy, he said, "No man that warreth, no man that warreth, entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier." We need to consider very carefully what we are involving ourselves in with our time. May the Lord guide us and give all of us wisdom, you know, in that matter. In in that uh, matter. I would like to, um, just in the few moments that we have together in uh, church today, I would like to for us to consider some things, uh, not only the brevity of time, but the circumstances that we're in, um, all kinds of things happening in our world. You know, we have the financial pressure coming. Um in Nevada, recently, I understand there are so many um, crickets that they're having to run snowplows to shovel them off the highways. Uh, the fires in Canada are getting have gotten very bad. You know, there's just all kinds of things going on, and we can thank God for any normal day that we have. But when our time of pressure and trial comes, may the Lord keep us faithful to him. Jesus said in Matthew 24, he said, Uh, As iniquity abounds, as iniquity abounds, the love of many will wax cold. But he that endureth unto the end, the same shall be saved. Chalk that one off. He that endureth unto the end, the same shall be saved. And I want for us this morning to uh, consider Christ's High priestly ministry in the most holy place That is going on right now And we understand from the facts of prophecy And from the facts of current events That it cannot be long until Christ Will stop His intercession Then the plagues will fall And then he will come back and take his people home And we must consider these things So that we are in tune with heaven and ready for them I praise God for the light that's been Given to us in the Bible and the spirit of prophecy I'm very thankful for it And Paul said, as he wrote about the intercession of Christ in the book of Hebrews, he says, which hope, talking about Christ being in the heavenly sanctuary, he says, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul. Both sure and steadfast. To understand where Christ is, what he is doing for us, who he is, his power, This is going to give sanity and stability to the mind in the pressures that are coming upon us. We cannot afford to allow our minds to become unhinged by the pressures that are coming upon us or to throw in the towel, so to speak. He that endureth unto the end, the same shall be saved. And I want to read just here briefly a statement from the book, um, Early Writings. Because it gives so much important direction to our study and our thinking. I saw the necessity of the messengers, especially watching and checking all fanaticism. Satan is pressing in on every side unless we watch it for him and have our eyes open to his devices and snares. And have on the whole armor of God, the fiery darts of the wicked will hit us. In other words, unless we have on the whole armor of God, she says, the fiery darts of the wicked will hit us. You realize Satan's after you to bring you down, and we must keep up the shield of faith to keep back his darts and to conquer them. Then here's the quote. There are many precious truths contained in the word of God, and it's okay to feed on them. It's good to feed on them. There are many precious truths contained in the word of God, but this is giving a very specific direction to our, our study and faith now. But it is present truth that the flock needs now. I've seen the danger of the messengers running off from the important points of present truth to dwell upon subjects that are not calculated to unite the flock and sanctify the soul. We need unity amongst us and we need sanctification in each one of us. To dwell upon subjects that are not calculated to unite the flock and sanctify the soul. Satan will here take every possible advantage to injure the cause. But such subjects as the sanctuary... In connection with the 2300 days, so the sanctuary, the 2300 days, the commandments of God, and the faith of Jesus, so it mentions four main subjects sanctuary, 2300 days, the commandments of God, and the faith of Jesus. She's simply enumerating what is being specified in Revelation 14 in the three angels' messages sanctuary, commandments of God, faith of Jesus. And the 2300 days. Such subjects as the sanctuary in connection with the 2300 days. The commandments of God and the faith of Jesus are perfectly calculated. To explain the past advent movement. And to show what our present position is. Establish the faith of the doubting. And give certainty to the glorious future. Heaven is going to be so good. Never Forget that. Always remember that. It's going to be so good. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. And then it finishes out talking about how I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Then anyway, sorry for trailing off here. I wanted to read this last sentence in this quote that I'm going to read. These, these subjects that were just mentioned that unite the flock, sanctify the soul, the commandments of God, the faith of Jesus, 2300 days, the sanctuary. These I have frequently seen were the principal subjects on which the messengers should dwell. Okay. Thank you for asking. 63. Early writings, page 63. So I would like to have you take your Bibles, and we're going to open and look at a few passages here. It's amazing how much the Bible uh, has on this subject. In fact, the Bible, we are told in Ellen White's writings, she says, was especially written for the last generation. Isn't that amazing? It was especially written for the last generation. So let's look at some of the subjects that deal with the uh, ministry of Christ and his um, work in the heavenly sanctuary and then also the close of probation. I would like for you to go to Luke chapter 21 and I want to um, look starting at verse 23. So we'll look at Luke 21 starting with um, verse 23. Luke twenty one in the verse thirty three. Luke twenty one thirty three. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. You know, a few weeks ago, I was had the privilege of visiting uh, your church here when uh, Brother Ray DeCarlo was visiting here and speaking. And I will probably not forget for a long, long time him holding up the Bible and saying, "This is reality." The emphasis is so good. This is reality. You know, the psalmist said that thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Brothers and sisters, there are many people in the world today who are in all kinds of circumstances. They're in all kinds of confusion. Many of them are without hope. Suicide rate amongst teenagers, they say, is escalating. There are all kinds of people with who knows how many problems. They're without God, they're without hope because they they do not know the word of God. And you and I are to carry the word to them. You know? A few weeks ago I was uh, with uh, some others. We were passing out books um, and the Lord helped us, what was it, pass out about 300 books. I think it was in three hours. Around 250, but anyway, that's irrelevant. But a lady came by the booth and someone had already handed her a book, and her name was is Monica. And uh, she said, "Yeah." She said, "I travel all around the world." She just flew in from Venezuela and here to Ohio, and she's an airline stewardess. She said, "Someone here at this booth gave, just gave me this book, but she said I thought, thought I would stop back by, and you know, ask what it's about." So I uh, explained to her what the book was about. Uh, someone, we had a very nice conversation. And um, and then I gave her my uh, texting number, and, but she and she wrote me back in a text. I've not heard from her since I sent her some other information. But she wrote me back in a texting number. She said I felt the Holy Spirit upon me when we were talking. You know, the Lord is leading people. Um, I recently had a pastor from Florida call me up. He said, "Hey," he said, "someone's been watching my YouTube channel." He said, "I need you to connect with him," and so I did. I've contacted the man, sent him studies. He's too far away for. Uh, me to see him in person but i told him about a good church close to him brothers and sisters the lord is starting to work and we need to be working with him in verse uh, 34 of luke 21 it says and take heed to yourselves lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life and so that day come upon you unawares Um, you know what surfeiting is It's consuming more food than you need. Um, That can be a real trap. So no one else can gauge that but you, right? So experiment with it. It's always better to eat a little less than a little more. Just remember that. Uh We do not want to drain away our vital powers by consuming food we do not need. Chew your food well, and only eat what you really need. Take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness, and care of this of this life, and so that day come upon you unawares, for as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch ye therefore, and pray always, that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Watch ye therefore and pray always that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Do you see the word in that text? It's the word accounted. What Jesus is specifically referring to here is the investigative judgment. And he is saying, watch and pray, stay in harmony with me, that when your name comes up in the judgment, you may be accounted worthy. That is, God will assign to you his holy angels and his seal and his spirit, and they will be with you all the way through the time of trouble. But we must cooperate with him. Um, Now, I want to look at another text here in Mark chapter 13, because this is a text that we are specifically told applies to the close of probation, even before Christ comes. I'm in uh, Mark chapter 13. I'm looking here at verse 33. Mark chapter 13, verse 33. Take ye heed, watch and pray, for you know not when the time is. For the Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey, who left his house and gave authority to his servants, and to every man his work. And commanded the porter to watch. Watch ye therefore, for you know not when the master of the house cometh, at even, or at midnight, or at the cock crowing, or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping and when i say unto you i say unto all watch this is specifically referring to the close of probation before uh, even before the uh, christ comes again and jesus is saying he's saying watch because it can come suddenly i don't have the page here in front of me um but i'm pretty sure it's down here in volume 5 of the testimonies but she says we should live every day as if it's our last Now, if you think of the genius of that, when your last day comes, you're ready to go. I think the man's name was Edward Livingston. Uh, uh, He was evidently a very eminent uh, Christian that lived in the mid-1700s. He had written out about something over 70 different resolutions that he would live by that resolves that he would live by in his own life. It's quite a man. Obviously, very in love with the Lord. Obviously, very committed to Christ. And one of the resolutions that he wrote in that list was, is that he says, I am determined to do nothing that I would refuse to do if I knew I only had one hour to live. Think about it. Very wise way to live. I, he says, I am determined to do nothing that I would refuse to do if I knew that I only had one hour to live. Now, obviously, that principle has to be properly applied because obviously, but when it comes to the moral plane that we live on, then this this is where that would be be applied. Um, So I want to read a few statements here from a little book uh, It's quite full of uh, the Bible and the Spirit of Prophecy. It's a little book written by Lewis Weir. It's called Before the Close of Probation. Lewis F. Weir wrote the book. And I just want to read a few of the sentences in here just to kind of get our minds on this uh, subject here a little bit. And I'm going to share some other things with you. Um, This is talking about the uh, parable in Matthew 22, do you remember where the, there was a wedding and the king invited in the guests and everyone was provided a, a preparation for the wedding? That is a wedding garment. Which, and, of course, there was one man who he didn't have it on. He wasn't properly attired. And when the king asked him, why don't you have on this wedding dress? He was speechless. Okay. I'm going to read just a few comments here. Uh, the Lord's servant applies Revelation 16:15 in connection with the parable of the wedding garment, when she opens before us a lesson of the highest consequence. By the marriage is represented the union of humanity with divinity. Mm-hmm. By the marriage is represented the union of humanity with divinity. The wedding garment represents the character which all must possess who shall be accounted fit guests for the wedding. There is a preparation to be made by all who attend. See, and this was, I thought, so well, I was so blessed by Sabbath School this morning, but in the, the comments that were being shared. But we need to understand, brothers and sisters, that the righteousness of Christ, when received by faith, transforms the character. Not only does it transform the character at the moment when the soul first comes to Christ, it continues to transform the character in an advanced, progressive way. As the soul goes through temptation and suffering and refuses to let go of Jesus in those times of pressure from temptation. By the marriage is represented the union of humanity with divinity. I was just reading a statement uh, today. There's some wonderful statements in here about angel ministry in this um, 7a of the commentary. But one of the statements that was brought out, she says it is impossible for the for the angels to know it's impossible for the angels to know the union that God has with his people by becoming partakers of the divine nature, even though they're. Unfallen, they, they're untainted by sin in the very process of redemption. Christ is drawing us into a relationship with Him that even the angels cannot know. Okay? Um, I'm going to read a little bit here and then I want to comment on this, on, on the ministry of Christ in heaven right now for us, the power that's there for us, and also how that applies to our life. Okay? And especially in the context of the experience of suffering. By the marriage is represented the union of humanity with divinity. The wedding garment represents the character which all must possess who shall be accounted fit guests for the wedding. There is a preparation to be made by all who attend. By the wedding garment in the parables represented the pure spotless character which Christ's true followers will possess. Only the covering which Christ himself has provided can make us meet to appear in God's presence. This covering the robe of his own righteousness, Christ will put on every repenting, believing soul. I counsel thee, he says, to buy me white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. In the concluding application of this parable of our becoming adorned with the wedding garment, the righteousness of Christ, Before the investigative judgment is completed in the heavenly courts and before the door of mercy closes, the Lord's servant says, quote, Christ's Object Lessons, page 319. It is in this life that we are to put on the robe of Christ's righteousness. It is in this life that we are to put on the robe of Christ's righteousness. This is our only opportunity to form characters for the home which Christ has made ready for those who obey his commandments. The days of our probation are fast closing. You know, when you lose a close loved one, it really comes home. The suddenness with which life can evaporate. Beware lest it find you unready. Take heed lest you be found at the king's feast without a wedding garment. Okay? So... um, i'd like for you to go at the moment and i want to look just ponder a few passages i'm not going to speak real long this morning uh, but i want to go to the book of hebrews and have us consider some of the passages that paul has there and i would first like you to go to hebrews chapter 6 okay If you look at Hebrews chapter six, I'm looking at verse 17 and onward there. 17, wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability that is the unchangeable nature, the absolutely unchangeable nature, the immutability of his counsel confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might Have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. Which hope we have is an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. This hope that we have is an anchor of the soul. We must learn now to be connected with Christ in the heavenly sanctuary because. We need an anchor for the soul. You need an anchor for the soul in everyday life with the normal things that transpire in everyday life. But brothers and sisters, we are going to absolutely need it when the pressure gets turned up. We have persecution, economic pressure, uh, the, the the enforcement of the mark of the beast, Sunday keeping, etc. God is needs a people, and He will have a people that will have an anchor of the soul, which is Christ, and they will be dependent on Him, and they will be depending on Him. And we need to know by experience what Jesus means to us. You know Jesus died for you on the cross, right? Yeah. You know, there was a slave woman uh, that was in attendance at Abraham Lincoln's funeral. And it was a very large crowd watching his casket being transported down the street. And she took her little boy and she mounted him on her shoulders. And she said to her son, She said, son, she said, take a long look at him because he died for you. And this is good advice for the Christian. Take a long look at him because he died for you. Consider this. Why would the majesty of heaven take all that risk and all that condescension? You know, even though the angels were willing to come, they thought they were willing to come. I just read a statement today. She says, there's no angel or that would have put up with Christ, with what Christ put up with. They wouldn't have done it. I mean, what the condescension of Christ to pull us up out of here is absolutely tremendous and we should be very attached to him. Paul says, which hope we have is an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that in the veil, whether the forerunners for us entered, even Jesus made an high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now in this text, Jesus is here. The last verse here in uh, Hebrews six, Jesus is called the forerunner, the forerunner, and this is reminiscent of the in the in ancient days when a king would be coming to a certain locality, um, there would be a a individual uh, gloriously, uh, beautifully appareled, running ahead, announcing the coming of the king. And once that man came in sight, then the whole crowd knew that it was not long till the king himself would be arriving on the scene. Now, in this case, Jesus is called the forerunner. Isn't that interesting? Do you realize that now that heaven has her Lord back again, that all of heaven's attention is on getting you there? You know, you'll find somewhere, maybe page 156, I don't remember the page, but somewhere in the book Christ's Object Lesson, she says the entire universe is looking on this world because Christ has paid an infinite price for the souls of its inhabitants. Okay. You may be one of uh, seven or eight billion, but Jesus knows every thought in your head. He knows all your feelings. Yeah. Yeah. And he is touched, we are told, with the feeling of our infirmities. Mm -hmm. So I want to look at another text here in Hebrews. Then I want to look at Malachi 3 and we'll kind of wrap it up. By the way, when you read your Bible, try and keep in mind as much as you can. The sanctuary, the 2300 days, the intercession of Christ, because the Bible is loaded with these things. But this is a text well known, but I still want to look at it. It's Hebrews chapter 7, 25. It says, Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. It says that Christ is able to save to the uttermost. I want to share something with you. Jesus said One of the things Jesus said was, you are not going to make it into heaven unless you become like a little child. And you, let me tell you something about a child. When you tell a child that white is white, black is black, and God is love, they believe every word. And when Jesus says is saying there that in order for you to get into my kingdom, you must believe every word that I've given you. We are not to doubt these things. You know, sometimes I will talk to people and I can tell they may be frustrated or whatever, but I can tell that they are giving more credibility to their own feelings and thoughts than they are the word of God. We believe. As Christians, we must put the word of God above our thoughts and feelings and above our circumstances. God told Abraham, you're going to have a baby. And boy, that didn't happen for a long time. The Lord couldn't give him one until he would finally fully trust in him. So the Bible says that Christ is able to save to the uttermost all that come unto God by him. Hang on to that. Um, And... I want to read a statement here from uh, Great Controversy, page 601, and then we'll look at Malachi 3 and wrap it up. Great Controversy, page 601, this is in the chapter Our Only Safeguard, the Scriptures' uh, Safeguard. We are living in the most solemn period of this world's history. The destiny of earth's teeming multitudes is about to be decided. Our own future well-being and also the salvation of other souls depend upon this course which we now pursue. We need to be guided by the spirit of truth. Every follower of Christ should earnestly inquire, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? We need to humble ourselves before the Lord with fasting and prayer and to meditate much upon his word. Meditate much upon his word. Especially upon the scenes of the judgment, we should now seek a deep and living experience in the things of God. We have not a moment to lose. Not a moment to lose. And I would encourage you, there's all kinds of good things to read, but one thing I would encourage you to read is very carefully the Psalms 119, how it uplifts the word of God. And one of the things you'll find when you read Psalms 119 is, Not only does it express the psalmist's faith in the absolute certain truth of the word of God, but the psalmist also expresses that God has given him an experience with him. This is, he said, for one thing he said, he says, this is my comfort in my affliction, for thy word hath quickened me. In other words, when I have gone through a hard time, the psalmist is saying, I depended upon the word of God, and the word of God quickened me or gave me life. In other words, I survived through that time. You know, we are told that to all who are reaching out to feel the guiding hand of God, the moment of greatest discouragement is the time when divine help is nearest. To all who are reaching out to feel the guiding hand of God, the time of greatest discouragement is the time when divine help is the nearest. Okay? This may be off a little bit off subject. Before I get to Malachi three, I'll get to Malachi three real quick. But I want to read a couple of things to you. One of my favorite testimonies is Volume five. Okay. <clears throat> this is interesting. It says thousands who profess to be Christians give heed to lying spirits. You know why? Because they don't believe the word of God enough. Now listen to this. This, To me, this is just very interesting. Just chalk this one off in your memory somewhere. Page 79, 5T. It says everywhere the spirit of darkness in the garb of religion will confront you. Isn't that interesting? Interesting. Everywhere the spirit of darkness and the garb of religion will confront you. Did you know we're told in the the three selected messages that at the time of the um, end, near the time of the end, that Satan and his angels in human form will mingle with apostate Adventists? And that's something. This thing is going to crank up. Another quote, this is a very interesting section here, but I just want to read to you um, this statement also. It says, there are few really consecrated men among us. There are few really consecrated men among us. Now listen how this one sentence defines itself. Few who have fought and conquered in the battle with self. So that's what consecration to Christ means. There are few really consecrated men among us. Few who have fought and conquered in the battle with self. I want to share something with you. The devil is going to step his attacks up to a very mean level. And our only survival is to conquer self on whatever point it is through the grace of Christ. So that we will be positioned and ready for what's coming down the pike. So if your circumstances are getting shook and your life is under pressure, remember there's a kind Heavenly Father has his hand over you. He is prepping you for greater times and greater responsibilities and he's perfecting your character for heaven for eternity. So things that would cause some people great consternation and upset spirit with us should cause us to maybe barely raise our eyebrows, right? Because we trust in our Heavenly Father. So we've got to to learn these things. Anyway, I want to read a passage here, comment briefly on it. I want to go to the last book of the Old Testament because this is also talking about the intercession of Christ. And I want to uh, make a few comments here. So it's the book of Malachi, and I'm looking here uh, chapter 3. I'm going to read a few verses, make a few comments, and we'll be done. Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant whom ye delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. This is a prediction of Christ's m- entry into the most holy place in 1844. We have uh, a spirit of prophecy uh, validation interpretation on this and I, I accept that but this verse one of chapter three of malachi is talking about jesus come coming suddenly to his temple that is he went into the most holy place and this is where our faith is to be now like paul said it's an anchor of the soul but let's read just a bit more now that christ is in the most holy place it says here in malachi chapter three but who may abide the day of his coming and who shall stand when he appeareth Who shall stand when he appeareth? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. Who shall stand when he appeareth? You know, when Jesus was here on earth, there was a a, a lovely man, and the Bible says Jesus loved him. But Jesus says, you know what? He says, you got a lot of cash in the bank and a lot of cows on the farm. He says, get rid of it all and follow me. And the man walked away sad. He said, I won't do it. Brothers and sisters... Even if you only have a little bit, make sure you're not attached to it in any sinful way. Don't sell your soul for something on this earth. No matter what it is. Even if it's your life, right? Let alone your car or your house or your job. Anyway. Who may abide the day of his coming and who shall stand when he appeareth? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. And he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver... And he shall purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. Then shall the offering of Judah and Jerusalem be pleasant unto the Lord as in the days of old and as in the former years. This is a prediction of what the Lord is going to do in behalf of his church in these last days. He's going to purify the sons of Levi, which means he's going to purify the leadership in his church, which means by implication he's going to purify his whole church. And it says he will sit as a refiner of silver and shall purify the sons of Levi. I don't know if I've ever told you this. I'm going to tell you this story real quick. There were some ladies who were studying this passage. And one lady said, you know what? I want I want to go see what a silversmith does in, in his shop. So she went to visit a silversmith. And he had these large containers of the raw material that they would get the silver out of, but they, were, they had to be heated. And um, as the bad ore came to the top, that would be skimmed off, and then you'd get the pure metal. And the lady asked the silversmith, she said, do you sit while the silver is being purified? And the silversmith said, oh, yes, I do. He says, because I have to have very close attention on the silver. Because if it goes past the point of purification by the fire, it will be destroyed. The value will be destroyed. So he says, I have to watch to see when the process is done. And then when the process is done, I have to cut it off immediately to preserve the value of the silver. And this reminds us of the promise in in 1 Corinthians 10, Jesus will not allow us to be tempted above that we are able. Okay. Then as the woman was leaving the shop, the smith said to her, by the way, he said one more point. He says, the way I know that the process is completed is he says, I see my own image perfectly reflected in the silver. Just remember, we're going to have suffering. But don't be dismayed by it. Peter says, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice in as much as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings. We should actually praise God that he allows us to suffer by circumstances. Hopefully, brothers and sisters, we don't cause any of our own suffering. But we are going to get it from whatever sources. And I really like the text that Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2. He said, this is a faithful saying. If we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. There will be a big reward for those who are faithful to Christ. Then he goes on to say, If we deny him, he also will deny us. In other words, if we are not willing to suffer in the cause of Christ. If we are not willing to stand up for God's truth. If we are not willing to stand up under the pressure of temptation. You know, I have no interest in sin myself. But I'll tell you what. I am very tempted sometimes. I don't know about you. I have no interest in sin. But the devil seems to be able to really come at you. And they're suffering in resisting the opposition. But you know what? Don't throw away your your Soul, don't throw away your eternal life. The whole issue is here. Will we choose to be on the side of God's government, who is a loving, gracious heavenly father, or on the side of an evil master, Satan? We make our choice. And we must resist by his grace and depend completely on him by his grace. He will get us through. Brothers and sisters, let's make a covenant with God and with one another. That we will be on the sea of glass together. That no matter what comes to us. And I'm rambling but I'm going to ramble just a little bit more. Here's another thing that we need to get in our minds. Do you realize when persecution comes in these last days. One of the temptations that may well come to me or you. Is to betray your brethren. You read in Great Controversy chapter 12 on the French Reformation. Remember the, the massacre of St. Bartholomew, This massacre, where over 70,000 people were killed in a matter of a few days? You know what they did? They found a Protestant man who knew where everybody lived, and they said, hey, you show us where they live, or we're going to toss you on the fire pile. And he shrunk from the, from the, the, the proposal, but then he finally gave in. Uh, let me tell you this. I'd much rather burn Here and now, by the hands of men, then face God in the judgment for having betrayed my brethren. Make that decision. I will not betray my brethren. No way. I will die before I would do such a thing. I will be no Judas to my brethren. If I have to suffer to protect them, then so be it. That's the spirit of Christ. Let's sing our closing song and then we'll have a closing hymn. Um, I'd like to just repeat something from the Psalms and then from Paul. In the Psalms, it says sorrow may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Morning is coming when Jesus will come back and it's going to be so good and it's going to be so worth it. And I want you to think with me for about 10 seconds here, here again on another thing that Paul said. He said, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those that love him. And one of the things he has prepared for those that love him is, is to see his face. To see the face of God will be worth everything just to see his face. But he has promised us it's better than you can imagine. Trust me and I will get you there and I want to look on your face. The God of heaven wants to look on your face in person, close by. Be faithful to that day. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you for the promises of your night, oh, excuse me, of your word, that sorrow may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall seek God. Lord, we are resolved and we are determined in the strength of Christ alone to seek you day by day, to watch and pray, to reach out to as many souls as we can, and to endure whatever suffering may be assigned to us, We may honor you before the onlooking universe who's watching intently the wrap up of this final battle with Satan. We thank you for the tremendous power of Calvary and of the Holy Spirit and of the angels, which has been promised to all who look to you and depend upon you and help us to embrace that promise the just shall live by faith. Bless my dear brothers and sisters here. Help each one with whatever challenges they may have and guide them safely to your kingdom. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen.